Lencher was identified yesterday in this small town in central Poland. Leaders from all communities are urging their citizens to remain calm as police and armed forces are mobilizing to find Lencher before he can strike again. If anyone has information about Lencher, or as he is also known, Magneto, contact your local authorities immediately and proceed with caution as he is considered extremely. What's up? Checking on you. I'm good, playing Pac-Man. Sure you weren't watching this? You're going after him, aren't you? You wanted me to get out of the house more, right? I can't stop you. Nobody can. But trust me, this won't end well. Nothing does with him. Hello and welcome to episode 218 of Do You Expect to Talk? I'm your host Becca and as always joined by my fellow co-hosts and movie buffs Chris and Dave. How are you both? Good evening folks. Good evening everybody. Wow. Two, two, I'm feeling... Two, two, I was quick. Two weekends in a row we're becoming so like prolific. I'm, I'm feeling excellent. Hope you're not feeling apocalyptic. Yeah. We'd all do comedian size with like <sighs> this film. <laughs> hey, this film should have been. Well, let's before we go any further. What is the film this week? Tonight, unfortunately, we have made it to X Men Apocalypse, starring Michael Fassbender, Jennifer Lawrence, whose name I've misspelt here. Apologies. Oscar Isaac, James McAvoy. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, how would they know? I've spelt her name wrong here. <laughs> she might be listening. <laughs> yeah, but you apologize. Yeah, but no one would know. You said it right. No, you spelt it wrong. Can you imagine that? Like, and we have such and such spelled incorrectly. We have Daniel Craig. Sorry, listeners, I'm wearing mismatched socks this morning. I hope it doesn't ruin your enjoyment of the show. Just visualise. No, I just I've taken to reading off the paper. Yeah, I'm I'm sorry, viewers. I've eaten lots of garlic. Oh no, Chris, that stinks. I imagine. For anyone listening who's a bit OCD, I'm not wearing mismatched socks. I don't want you to worry for the rest of the recording. And he's very clean. I'm, I'm well matched and minty fresh. Minty fresh. But and you other... garlic, probably. <laughs> can smell him down Skype. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's the future, you know. Smell vision might be your way away. So, so I take it everyone's watched um, the movie uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Because um, that's what we're reviewing, isn't it? Yeah. Um, it's pretty much. And there's dodgy CGI-laden films from the 90s. You are talking a dodgy CGI that's certainly bad. Have we, have we done all the cast back or did we interrupt you? We interrupted you at Jennifer Lawrence, didn't we? No, that's okay. Because obviously these, these casts are getting longer and longer, so I just kind of pluck out, you know, the sort of main people. But I kind of, yeah, obviously, James McAvoy, Nicholas Holt, Sophie Turner, Ty Sheridan, and Annie Sheedy from The Breakfast Club, with original score by John Ockman, script by Simon Kinberg, story by Brian Singer, Simon Kinberg, Michael Doherty. And Dan Harris, directed by Brian Singer, and released. Oh, oh yeah, sorry, and released in 2016. Who did Ali Sheedy play? Um, she was a teacher right at the very start of the film. Okay. She was giving a lecture to her class, and I was like, "Hold on a minute, that's Ali Sheedy from The Breakfast Club and other John Hughes films." Yeah, I was trying to place her, and I was thinking she didn't play the teacher, but I realised I was then thinking of the Many Saints of Newark, which I watched in the interim. 
Oh, that's probably the better film. Any uh, good? <laughs> yeah, just don't expect like a Sopranos. Or- well, no, don't expect a Tony Soprano origin story. It kind of flirts with being that. Um, but actually, Many Saints is English for Moltisanti. And actually, the main yeah. character in it is Christopher Moltisanti's father, Dickie. So, although right. um, although it does focus on Tony quite a bit, and Tony, it, Michael, it looks so much like James. He looks so much like his dad. Um, you know, the, the facial features are the same. The voice is the same. Um, but it's just a much younger man, and it, it's incredible. Um, and, and the casting is bang on, generally. The one who's playing the younger sort of Silvio Dante moves exactly like... Um, little Stephen did in the original um Stephen Van Zandt so it's it's actually really good um I really liked it but in in some respects I'm wondering kind of what the point was because it didn't have a sort of single focus but I did really enjoy it. It, it it's definitely of a piece with the Sopranos and it's worth seeing providing you don't expect a Tony origin story strictly speaking um and you just take the plot for sort of what it is. And you don't look too closely into continuity errors as well, because they've definitely got the year wrong for the age we know Tony is. But it, it's very good. Must have been bloody difficult playing the character your own dad made famous when your own dad passed away at the age of 51. Mm. Yeah, that must be hard. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. But, yes, it's a better film than this. Um, c- coming back to this, um, my, my, my sort of... Uh, I, I wasn't expecting... I didn't know what to expect. There was a teaser at the end of uh, Days of Future Past, which was kind of uh, uh, an apocalypse type, well, probably apocalypse in a previous body, uh, assembling pyramids with like the four horsemen watching him. Mm. Or her, I think it was a female, actually. Um, So I thought that's kind of intriguing, but it doesn't tell me enough to be desperate to get at, at that film particularly. But again, and again, it's... It's uh, Brian Singer, who, whilst never became the um, filmmaker we thought he was going to be after The Usual Suspects, had had a decent career. He'd done a couple of, well, he'd done three pretty decent X-Men films. I, I, I sounded harsher on Days of Future Past, past than I really It was feel. well received. And it was well received. So you, you wouldn't be unhappy it was still him, put it that way. It's John Ottman doing the score. I can't remember whether he did the score last week. I'm just having a look. I think he might yes, have Yes, he did, he did. But definitely in this film, I noticed that sort of X2 cue again. Mm. Um, and so the score to this film is very good. The um, cinematographer, Newton Thomas Siegel. One of the few um, positives about this film, yeah. actually. In some respects, <laughs> it it's, it's, it's bringing back a lot of the same crew. It's bringing back Brian Singer's preferred people to work with. Oh, again, it's a Simon Kimberg screenplay, but it, again, whilst last week didn't have the same quality of script as first class in my opinion and only my opinion um that had all been fine if you'd have offered me the same standard again i'd have been reasonably happy with it so there were no alarm bells the only alarm bell is when i started to see trailers i think i'm right in saying we saw the finished apocalypse character and the makeup looked terrible it looked it looked like it could have been masters of the universe or something it looked like a bad 80s film and ironically, that was my other problem, the setting of it in the 80s when no one is ageing. And I just think you, you're, you're distancing us from this char- these characters having so much happen in their lives in between entries. And they just focus on bad 80s fashion and bad yeah. 80s hair. Like, oh my God. So that, that was my sort of preamble with it. I'll come to my first thoughts um, this time in a minute. It didn't gross as well as Days of Future Past. Its word of mouth wasn't as good as Days of Future Past. And the first time, 
I will not comment on whether that I felt this way this time yet, but the first time I had a terrible time with it, and I came out convinced I'd seen the worst of at least the main series of X-Men films. You could argue about um, X-Men Origins Wolverine. What about you guys? Did you sort of see this on release? Okay. Um, I think you should go first. <laughs> you should okay. go um, yeah, I... I'm trying to hold myself back, so I'll, I'll give a more reserved review I... in a moment. I saw it on release. Um, it, <laughs> funny enough, I I can mostly remember the 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 build up to it, and I remember specifically because I while I remembered Days of Future Past uh, got really favourable reviews, and like by the time this came, this was coming out being hyped up. So I think it had a couple of delays or. It had a, a. I think it was going to be released maybe in 2015, but then it got uh, delayed to the following year. Uh, I, I kind of want to say, um, but I remember I remember seeing trailers and I just suddenly remember sort of all enthusiasm just dropped from it. Yeah. And I I kind of had this sort of notion of like just general fatigue with the series. I mean I, I mean at the time I was thinking. This could be like, like the you know, superhero movie fatigue, because like we just seems to be getting so many of them now that we just like. Oh. There's something to that as well, because wasn't this the same year as Batman versus Superman? Uh, um, it, well, it was ultimately. Civil, but, Civil but, War was this year, but it took me a couple of viewings to really appreciate Civil War. So mm-hmm. I think I probably had a little bit of fatigue this year because the cycle of these films coming out is so quick. I think that's that sort of went again. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit back this year, but I, I think that's partly because Phase 4 has not started that well, in my opinion again. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just think... I just I, well, I just remember it being um, just like... just it for the suit. And it could just be like X-Men in particular. You know, just like... It's gone on long enough. The attention's more Marvel. Um, uh, DC had Batman v Superman, which at, at least piqued interest. And I just think we, we go back to the um, apocalypse, and is anyone really that bothered now? Um, and I, particularly when it, get, it came to like the um, the last shot, and it sort of it reveals like, oh, and Xavier goes bold in this one. You just felt like, really, do it? Just feels like such a stretch. Do we? Do we care? I mean, yeah. I mean, I would have said on the timeline of these films, he'd have, at very least have have to be quite advanced in his balding by the next film because he's completely bald mm. when we meet him in the year two thousand. Although it says year near future, but we'll go with the year of release for ease. Um. But it's not a major point, and and it's not like bald men are rare. It's not like one of these like rare as rocking or shit things. It's not you go out and you go, oh my God, there's a man who's bald over there. I only need to look in the mirror. It's not that difficult. Mm. So I I didn't understand the fuss about that. To be fair, at all. Um, they've been trying to desperately get him into position as like a younger version of the Xavier we know since the first film and they've they've kept sort of rushing it forward and then dialing it back and rushing it forward and dialing it back and here I don't know if they just didn't know they were they thought they might not be making something that was working but they decided to throw in maximum fan service uh, and there's a few points yeah. in this film that are like that yeah I mean 
I'll, I'll get into what I mean. I'm, I say I mostly remember like the just the, the hype of it just kind of just dropping for the series in general. Um, and I, I remember going in um, with kind of a low expectations and coming out my like actually quite enjoying it, but not not with any sort of like pretense that it was actually good. It was just. Um, it was just like, well, you know, some of it surprised mm. me. I actually enjoyed my time with it. I, I, you know, like I kind of, I like, I like parts of it, and some of it was just fucking ridiculous. Some of it is just fucking random. Like, um, you had, you know, you have the habitually sort of added sort of sequence with Wolverine, which just takes up twenty minutes of the of the movie. Uh, you know, because you, you, know, you have to get captured by Striker and for, for for reasons just to have Wolverine in a in a, in a film. And while it it's a bit of a mess from like well that's that's kind of pointless, it it, it is random because it it feels like it, it looks like proper Weapon X retro Wolverine, and it's like really bloody. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it it it's really violent as well. So I, I kind of I, I enjoyed it for its individual scenes, and sometimes sometimes I enjoy things just for the, the just the randomness and the chaos of it all. Not that not that it's any good. I just enjoy the the kind of the, the insanity and the unevenness, just because you know, <laughs> I, I don't know, maybe a bit more masochistic. I don't know, but I just, I just, I, 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 you know, I had a better time with it than I thought I did, and um, but at the same time, I'm not going to turn around and think, oh yeah, yeah, X Men Apocalypse is really good, or nor would I argue with anyone that, um, you know, argue with anyone that that it was not as bad as they thought it was. Because there is some, particularly with the plot point when it comes to um, uh, Quicksilver, in it? it's Quicks- Quicksilver, isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. the the setup with him and you know with with uh, Magneto being his, you know, like it it feels like well, this is clearly obviously the film is going this way. Why else would you have this? And for the for the film to kind of go like. For him to be like, no, nah, I'll wait. For Not what? just yet. And I just think, but 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 that just that fits in thematically with like you know that that was like so like set up. Well, particularly for, what for happens to, to Magneto sort of say, in this I've, film. I've lost my fa- like, there would know, be some so, healing in that. Yeah, be like, I, you know, someone who's like, yeah, someone who is like you know, doing what he's doing because he's lost everyone he's loved. So there would be like, hang on, I would see the point of him. Actually, finding out, oh my god, I had a son I didn't know about. Yeah, maybe there's, all is not lost. I could salvage something here. Something, yeah. yeah. And it just doesn't do anything with it. I just, I just don't understand. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I, I kind of, I can, I kind of find it fucking hilarious, quite frankly. But, uh, <laughs> but, but it's like, what were you thinking? What was the point in the whole thing? Fan service. You know? Fan service because Quicksilver is Quicksilver and yeah. Scarlet Witch, as far as I know, are, are son and daughter of Magneto in the comic books. So it's it's. I'm going to save that for another day, which we never get round to. Yeah, but it's that little wink, wink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We know you've had issues with our continuity, but we know the comics. Yeah, we know who he is. Um, yeah, and I, I think I I do wonder if a little bit of it, particularly during the the planning, was to sort of tried to trump Marvel because around the time this would have been being made 
uh, Age of Ultron came out. Uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson's version of the character didn't exactly make massive waves, as far as I know. I've, I've never met anyone who says, I can't, I'd love to see him again, he was great. I'm not saying everyone dislikes him, but I just think he's largely been one of those things that's been forgotten, partly because of the um, focus on his sister, of course. But I think probably that it was a sort of preemptive strike, almost, to sort of um, t- tie him into like our our our, our level, peak our level of interest more for this version of the character. By you know, he's linked to Magneto. You know, Magneto, major character. You know, don't know, possibly anyway. So, Becca, yeah, what's your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I'm <laughs> hearing you say that, Chris. I think I I was all ready to get guns blazing because for me this is an absolute mess. I just, I mean, the, the two things, I mean, all the money is on the screen for me. Like the high points, where obviously performances are like the main leads. Um, how it looks, how it sounds. Um, well, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna be backtracking, backtracking, backtracking. Mm. Um, I mean, you, you said that this is. Um, you know, quite chaotic and kind of all over the place. I really struggled with that a little bit. I mean, I, I get the idea that obviously Apocalypse is meant to kind of, you know, his, his speciality is, um, you know, knocking things down and rebuilding them like in his own worldview and everything. And so it is kind of, you have got to have that degree of chaos. Um, obviously, there's that, scene, there's that scene later on where he catches up with Magneto and he's like, don't stop me from killing all these men. And he just sort of snaps his fingers and, and does the magic part. And it's like, what? You know, the whole thing's upset. Um, but at the same time, I kind of found that really, I did really struggle a little bit with it. Um, sadly, I've not read the comics, so I, I, you know, I hold my hand up and say, oh, you know, apologies for that one. So if you've got any purists kind of yelling down the phone at me, then then that's fine. You know, I hold my hand up and say, how yeah, dare you not read every comic ever? <laughs> shocking, shocking. Um, but no, it's just one of those things where, yeah, that's something that I really struggle with. And the fact that, like, for me, I remember seeing this at the cinema, um, and this is this is my kind of first and only time seeing it since. Um, for me it kind of felt like it ended like three or four times um it is it doesn't kind of wear its runtime quite well it's, i found it to be quite baggy in places as well um and i kind of thought well you know when's it gonna end or you know get to it get to it um but i mean you know as, as you were saying chris there are there's still lots to love you know still lots to enjoy about this film it's not it's not like amazing but it's not um but for, for me it's probably one of the worst in the series um but it's you know i can see how it's not you know the absolute um the absolute of, of, of the X-Men series for sure um, you know so there's you know, more layers at the bottom um, which I'm sure we'll get to one day um, but yeah I just thought you know hearing you say that I thought well no I'm going to ke- try to keep it in the middle kind of middle of the road sort of thing um, and try you know try to focus on the positive um, but for me definitely yeah I remember seeing this at the cinema um, I was I was actually I didn't know too much about, about the central villain um, other than that he's, he's really old um, he's meant to be like one of the most powerful mutants in, in the universe um, in the sort of X-Men universe for sure um, and he's kind of so, so yeah, so, and yeah, so, I just kind of I was quite hyped for it. Um, and I remember coming out thinking, oh, <laughs> okay. So, so here's one of the things that does confuse me, and I, I could stand corrected here, but if mutants are about all about evolution, then how come like the oldest one is the most powerful? Well, this is it. Yeah, I kind of wondered. Obviously, but he's, he seems to be like a, an amalgamation of, you know, he's collected like all these different souls, all these different beings. 
all these different powers from literally from since you know ancient times so i kind of wonder if he has kind of evolved and evolved and evolved i, I think it's actually i think it's challenging the wisdom of what know. they know i think i think it's cha- challenging the wisdom of what they know of mutants and bear in mind we don't know how many thousands of years he's been around although we do see him going back a fair way but he's an ancient god i think it's three thousand six hundred before common the time of the pharaohs the start of the film but let's say he's been around ten thousand years if that is the case and he's the first mutant. Well, ten thousand years. Well, they mention like biblical times, don't yeah, they? And well, so... ten thousand years is nothing in evolutionary terms. No. Um, so actually, I don't necessarily have a problem with that. It's like we we only started encountering mutants this century. This century meaning the twentieth century, because I think when the film set. And they're like, well, it, you know, that's what we thought. And I, I don't think, I don't think it's I don't think it's a plot problem or a plot hole in a film that's full of plot problems and plot holes i think it's just they, we didn't we didn't know what we didn't know so i don't, I don't necessarily think that's <laughs> we didn't what we did was it known known knowns and unknown unknowns uh, unknowns, unknowns yeah yeah it's that bizarre window yeah. don't you um yeah i think that's pretty much it kind of like you know um first impressions uh you know final thoughts are going to be pretty much the same really um i probably won't watch this again for a while it's for me it's just kind of you know it looks good sounds good I, I do love the score you've got these different as I say the um, X2 and various other themes woven in there um, and various callbacks various character motifs as well which is um, which are re- really nice to hear again um, but for me like it's struggle I mean it's the cast is jam-packed you pretty much get every, everybody apart from um, Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart you know like some of the original I say the original cast but you know what I mean um, crammed in it struggles under the weight of it um, has three or four different endings for me I just was like get on with it get on with it uh, doesn't bear its runtime, doesn't wear its runtime very well. I do, yeah, I do struggle a little bit. Um, I, I, I literally managed to watch it like this evening, like just in time, quick, um, cram it all in. Um, yeah, there are some some dialogue uh, lines that are a little bit questionable. Um, yeah, just yeah, just doesn't doesn't kind of really bode well for me, unfortunately. But as I say, it's not for me. It does kind of rank low. If we were to rank all the X Men movies, it does kind of rank lower down. Um, but I mean, they're, they're, again, in terms of visuals as well, I mean, there are some parts I think are really good, like the final battle scene. Um, I think it's done fantastically well. I was really impressed with that. But then, and, and the credits, for example, the um, the iconic X Men opening sort of scene, where you go time. into the tunnel. Yeah, yeah, moving through time. I, I thought it was really cleverly done. But then there's another sequence coming out of that, which kind of reminded me of like in the I was going to say in the early days of TG, but kind of like in the 90s when we had like um, like VR that was just becoming available. Yeah. Um, and you still kind of wear those headsets or go into one of those, um, what are they called, like simulators that you would get on a you know seaside sort of attraction, for yeah. example. Yeah, yeah. It was very much that style. It reminded me of that. Um, I might have to go on, I might go on YouTube and see if I can find an example of it and then post it to our socials so people can perhaps get a flavour of what I'm trying to talk about. Because I'm trying to, I've really explained it quite poorly. Um, but I was just shocked how you could have like, you know, the really incredible like, title sequence which up there for me is like one of the best in the x-men series and it's, it's an iconic title it's like up there with like with bond for example um and then to have a sequence like that and i was like it's quite jarring for me um and i wonder if i watched a different film <laughs> but it just reminded me of that you know sort of being a child of the 90s and um you know living through that in the first place i was like well, i thought we got over that now you know um but again there are pockets of this film where the visuals are absolutely stunning um and you can see it's you know it's all up there on the screen you know where it's meant to be and it's handled really, really well. Um, but then there are aspects of like costume and makeup as well. And I just, I'm just going to pick lots of little holes in this film. But so I'm going to take a little bit of what Dave said and a little bit of what Chris said, but try to be middle of the road person. Very boring, I know. Um, but 
try and see you're yeah, like, rough, with it, rough with the smooth. You're but... like the lukewarm water during the moon game. It's like hot, hot and cold. Oh my god, oh my god, so boring. But no, I kind of thought because yeah, for for me this is sadly, as I said, one of the, yeah, the, one of the dear low points in the series. But I appreciate it's perhaps not the low point. Um, so I shall take what you said, Chris, and you know look at it, put a positive spin on it. Because um, I was I was entertained. Um, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so yeah, comedian sigh. I think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so that's my opening rant. Sorry about I, that, everybody. That's okay. I'd only seen it once, um, and my memory of it was how I felt. That's my soapbox now. Thank you. How I felt at the end of the film, and and at the end of the film, I hated it. And we did a summer review sometime afterwards. I can't remember its exact release date in this country. I'm just looking for it. Yeah, I mean, it came out in sort of around May time here, and we would have done the summer review in sort of September. That was back when we did single volumes of these things. So it would have been some time since I'd seen it, but I remember both of us being pretty harsh on it, but me specifically. And there were themes to my complaint that I think I still agree with. I think Chris mentions fatigue, and I think it's there in the cast, to be honest with you, by this stage. Jennifer Lawrence doesn't wear the blue at this stage. She really doesn't. There's a couple of scenes where she's got to bite the bullet and go for it, but the rest of the time she's got the blue makeup on. She's it's not her body's covered or she's dressed, you know, as as Jennifer Lawrence, but slightly sort of tarty eighties version. Um, she doesn't really want to be here. I don't think. Um, I think uh, Oscar Isaac's as, as poor as I've ever seen him in anything, but he is buried under makeup. I had real problems with the aging. I looked up um, Scott Summers, not Scott Summers, that's Cyclops, Alex Summers, Havoc. I looked up the actor, and he was born in 1990, I think I'm right in saying. So he was around 20 when they were shooting X-Men First Class, shooting, forget the release for a minute. Uh, And this is set 21 years afterwards. This guy's meant to be 41. Uh, it's it, it it just it looks silly and you've got like Evan Peters in his mum's basement still like a troubled 18 19 year old and well he's not is he he's 28 29 it doesn't work they've cast um, Sophie Turner in this as the new Jean Grey uh, Sophie Turner uh, I I checked out after about season I can't remember if it was three or four of Game of Thrones. Uh, it really confirmed to me I'm only really interested in world building. Once they built the world, I lost interest. I didn't care who ended up on the throne. But she played a very sort of, certainly in the seasons I watched, a very sort of beaten down character. And her particular sort of um, skill set or demeanour suits that. Take her away from having to play Sansa Stark, I think she's called. Take her away from that and she's flat as fuck here. It really worried me when I heard she was going to be, you know, it was Dark Phoenix next time out, not next time for us, but next time in the main series, because I thought, you can't have a lead, lead a film, but from memory, she was a little better in that one. Um, we've shat on continuity, so, you know, uh, quick, uh, quick so Wolverine is under lock and key from William Stryker when we reset the timeline last time to have him in the same place at the same time under the same circumstances like completely undoes your reasons for doing any of this angel well i know you've undone the timeline but you undone the timeline in the 70s it wouldn't have changed that much 
Angel here, Ben Hardy, is looking at it. He will have been round about 24 when they were filming this. I've got a fun fact about him coming up at the end. Well, we saw him in 1996 as like a 10, 12-year-old boy when his his, uh, wings start growing, 10 years before the events of the first class, uh, of um, the last dance, sorry. So, you know, it's all just shitting on continuity for no reason. Aurora Monroe, Storm. In the first first film, Halle Berry couldn't seem to decide whether she was playing her as South African or American. Well, here she's now Egyptian. Um, And not a particularly good actress either, or certainly in this. I don't know what else she's been in. Um, uh, Psylocke, Psylocke, Olivia Munn. They have a... Well, I'm glad they gave her a decent part... Well, a part in one of these films after the shit Brett Ratner said about her. But um, they've dressed her like something from... They've dressed her like cosplay with this stupid fucking shiny bollocks on her and that boob window, and it just looks ridiculous. So all the way through, I'm having problem. I'm having problems. Caliban, the, you know, we've got Caliban this week who refers to himself in the first per, uh, third person and looks a bit like Rich, a young Richard O'Brien. And next week it'll be 2029. He'll be, if anything, younger and played by Stephen Merchant. Um, they cram in a Hugh Jackman character a cameo for no particular reason, although taken in isolation, it's okay. And it just all feels very, very tired at this point. This is just like, who cares about any of this plot, really? Moira McTaggart comes in. Well, Moira McTaggart, well, the actress was born in 1979, which means she'd have been about 32 when the first film came out. Again, on a similar sort of trajectory of ageing, this woman's meant to be in her 50s now. And you're dealing with it by going, she still looks amazing. And it's like... If you've got to call out your shit choices, they are the wrong choices. What I'll say in its slight defence, though, start watching it a couple of days ago, and for about 40 minutes I was quite enjoying it. Um, some of the problems with things like effects, I mean, the makeup still looks awful, the costuming still looks awful, but there were some effects issues that really only show up on the big screen. Having show, watched it on the small screen now, it, it, and by small I mean like 50 inch TV, it, it's not too bad at all, even in the highest of definitions. Um, and right the way through to what happened with, with uh, Magneto and his family, I mean, Fassbender is giving it work this film just doesn't deserve. It's so heart-wrenching and it did do it for me it did move me and i didn't really start having major problems till about an hour in but from then on oh my god i remember looking something happened around the hour mark i can't remember off the top of my head now and i think that's the first thing i'm not sure about i looked at the clock and it was like an hour or so in an hour hour and two minutes something like that and from then on it's nearly an hour and a half of utter shit so it's, it, I had a better time with it this time. It definitely falls into the bottom category of uh, X-Men films. Um, I think it would duke itself. I think it would... I think I probably marginally prefer The Last Stand, but not by an awful lot. Um, they're both better than... I think I would say it's probably better than X-Men Origins Wolverine, but at least that film didn't appear... didn't feel like it was going on as long as this. Um, I don't know, I need to look up how long that film is again. But um, yeah, so it started off better than I expected, better than I remember, and it finished off about as bad as I remember. Yeah, it reminds you of all all the reasons why you hated it in the first place. 
For 40 minutes, I was like, I'm not sure about the design of this, but the music works quite good. The shot making's quite good. Some of the acting's quite good. I really don't rate fucking Sansa Stark, whatever she's called. Uh, Sophie Turner, that's it. Um, but some of the younger characters in it, like Scott Summers, Ty Sheridan does a really good sort of younger version of the character pretty well. Kurt mm-hmm. Wagner, Cody Smith McPhee, who I think is best known for. Um, I think he was in. Uh, he was in Let Me In. I know that. I'm trying to think what else he was in. I'm having a look. Uh, yeah, I think that's what I'm thinking of him in. Uh, and he was in. He was in one of the Planet of the Apes films. But um, yeah, um, Dolomite is my name. He was in as well. But definitely the thing I'm thinking of. He was with. Um, he was with Chloe Grace Moretz in Let Me In, which is the American. Well, it was actually done by Hammer, the British company, but it was the the remake of Let the Right One In, which is one of my favourite films ever. Um, which is quite funny as someone who doesn't particularly like horror, but I love those. Um, I, that's all I really wanted to say. Anything to add, folks, before we go into the details? No, not really. I think you, well, for me, I think you kind of said it all. You know, um, I think Fastband is pretty engaging as always hmm. um yeah there, there, are, there are some like there are, there are some sort of like nice touches here and there but other than that it is just daft i think i think that's pretty much sums it up it's just it's just a bit daft yeah i mean as we go into it the only thing i'll add without getting into the specifics and and until we get to the major points is the decision making for other characters is really odd in this film particularly mm. apocalypse there are there are things he wants to do in this film that you go why would you want that because you, you you're pretty much invincible as it is but um shall we discuss this film sequentially folks yes um so we we start as a as a kind of like uh well, we basically start with apocalypse back in egyptian times he's doing the thing that he's going to be doing at the end of the film which is um uh transfer um is he is he putting himself into another person's body yeah you see somebody who looks a bit like the apocalypse we're going to know but older mm. um and so his body is presumably in some way tiring and so laying on this sort of plinth is oscar isaac without sort of the apocalypse makeup so his essence is going to be transferred into him by his four horsemen which are named here as pestilence famine death and war which are the four classic horsemen of the apocalypse anyway um so yeah his consciousness is going to go into like a younger body and it's something to do with sunlight starts it when the sunlight hits the top of the pyramid it Mm -hmm. begins um it's kind of like big melting gold that floats up and yeah and then there's a bit of a fight because they're trying to sort of smash the the, the entrance into the pyramid mm. where he is so that they're basically, yeah, they're trying to stop this happening, some of the Egyptian people there. Um, and the, the horsemen effectively give their lives um, trying to protect the body until the tran- transfer happens. But as the transfer is complete, he's kind of blocked in with no sunlight. And I'm presuming sunlight is going to be what awakens him it's not that well explained but you can infer that i guess yeah basically he's trapped there isn't he yeah 
and until you know, <laughs> and to, as, to paraphrase George Lucas, until effects are ready for the next bit of his story. <laughs> um, it just makes me smile um, when exposition has done this poorly, because we go forward to the year nineteen eighty three. And a high school classroom are discussing the events of the last film. Well, that's handy, isn't it? <laughs> um, just as there's a mutant in the class, just as this mutant's powers are about to come through, which don't tend to come through with puberty, but maybe, maybe they can. I mean, we saw in first class that pre pre pubescents have their powers, but anyway, Scott yeah. Summers starts getting sore eyes just as they're talking about mutants. And so he goes to a bathroom and gets chased by a classmate who thinks he's sort of eyeing up his girlfriend. Yeah. Uh, and wouldn't you know it, he's only gone and got blaster eyes. <sighs> I hate it when that happens. You're, you're looking um, at someone across a table over a romantic meal and then they blast you with their laser eyes. <laughs> um... I mean, you, you might expect this to come and see his brother has got similar powers from one of the previous films, but... Why is he... So, he seems a bit, like, shocked by this. It's like, your brother, like, took part in, sort of, the Cuban Missile Crisis 21 years before. I can't imagine this is a secret at this point. Plus, yeah. plus the last film you had, you know, I know he didn't name Havoc, but kind of... Lyncher was kind of implying most of that first class were killed, so it was a bit odd to see him knocking around still, as as, yeah. a, as a forty-one-year-old teenager. Um, but anyway, so Scott has powers, which will obviously now this film cross cuts quite a lot. One thing I will say is it's quite well edited. It is quite well edited, taking you back to different parts of the story as it needs to. Not not like Bohemian Rhapsody. Well, that just edited Freddie Mercury's life into about five minutes didn't it at the start of the film <laughs> I shall be nearby be known as Freddie Mercury and I'm going out to see a band that I hope will become Queen and by the way I'm gay <laughs> okay um, so what do we go for now this this is kind of we go to kind of like illegal cage fighting don't we yeah and I think this is to reintroduce. Well, it's to introduce new characters. It's to introduce Angel and a young Nightcrawler. But it's also to remind us that basically Mystique spends most of her life now trying to fight for fight in a very um, militant way for the rights of mutants. So she's gone there to protect them because they're being asked to mm-hmm. fight, and they the cages they're in are electrified as well. Yeah. So we get Night. It's Nightcrawler and Angel. Nightcrawler and Angel. Um, so they are sort of got out of there. Um, Isn't it kind of weird how, like, in, in those kind of um, places, how no one look, Everyone looks like they're, like, come from, like, a, a Mad Max movie. Yeah. Everyone's all dressed up, like, really. <laughs> what, really so erratic. Are, are you making a and, case like, for more, sort of, cosy knitwear in these scenes? Well, it's just like, you know, I mean, don't we, maybe not cosy knitwear, but. Everyone just looks like they're like 
they're like, I should be in the desert when we're around in the apocalypse. Yeah, it always looks a bit post-apocalyptic and they've sort of grabbed whatever clothes they can and it's like, yeah. oh, hang on a minute, they're betting serious money on like cage fights. They're, they're probably not that poor. But whatever. Um, and so Raven uses the sort of voltage to sort of break them out. And so they all escape, and then we cut, and then we cut to Moscow. No, that's that's uh, Alan Partridge. Now we cut to Poland, and Eric Lyncher is working in like a foundry, sort of with hot metals and things like that. And we find out very quickly he's got a wife and child, mm. whom he loves very much, and um, I'm sure nothing bad is going to happen. No, no, because he lives in he lives in a similar sort of. Uh, Woodside hut, in the same way as sort of Tony Stark did in Endgame, and, and <coughs> nothing, no, nothing ever bad happens when you move into one of those. No, because because no. basically what you're saying in, in in the movie is like I just want the quiet life. I just yes. want to stay out of trouble. I'm hiding away from it all. Yeah. Um. So his daughter is. Uh, how old would we say his daughter is? Eight, something like that, maybe. Yeah somewhere around there and we, we get the sort of bedtime story scenes and all that sort of thing we will come back to this um, at the same time uh, Scott and Alex are uh, going to Xavier's school for gifted youngsters uh, he's got bandages over his eyes and they're basically looking for help from from Hank and and from um, from Charles mm. and uh, he meets Jean Grey who speaks to him without him knowing she's not actually speaking because obviously his eyes are covered he doesn't realise she's doing it telepathically and we get a little bit of sort of humour of him trying to sort of focus his powers but you know cutting down an ancient tree and that's, that's my favourite tree yeah but he says well, I'm expelled he says no no you're enrolled mm. really personable and warm um and now we go to uh, getting sort of fake IDs and passports for Nightcrawler. I don't know why you need a, a passport if you've got Nightcrawler's skill set. Well, fair point. <laughs> um, I mean, she can, she can become anybody and he can jump anywhere. I mean, he could literally... Actually, like, he could take her anywhere. He could, he could teleport into a spare seat on a plane and no one would fucking know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But anyway, uh, so Caliban's there. I've got a very Richard O'Brien... I mean, she could show a picture of um, of uh, of Xavier's uh, school and go like, there. <laughs> yeah. Anywhere he's seen or been. And um, whatever, it's fine. Um it's just to sort of meet Caliban and also meet some of the other mutants with him because he's mm. got Psylocke with him, uh, Olivia Munn's character, who seems to be able to sort of bring out, it's almost like swords, isn't it? Like force fields from her hands. They're kind of, it's a bit lightsabery. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, coincidentally, just as Scott Summers has been learning about mutants and developing his powers, uh, Moira McTaggart, that person from the uh, CIA who is now a part-time archaeologist <laughs> uh, goes looking for the resting place of N. Sabah I think he's called, which is basically Apocalypse. And there's followers in there doing a chant at the exact moment she goes in. Cause... Full of coincidences, this film, isn't it? 
<laughs> and at the same time... I, I want you to know it. <laughs> and at the same time... Uh, well, not at the same time. In a minute, there's going to be sort of a surge of power there, which uh, Charles is going to immediately know where to look. Um, so, uh, Apocalypse is revived, basically by the sunlight she lets in, it appears. The rest of the followers are killed. Moira gets out, but there's an earthquake that can be felt everywhere, effectively. Now, when you look on this plot summary, it says throughout most of the continent. Okay, this is Egypt. How did Charles feel it in North America? Whatever. Um, he's psychic. All right, good. That that answers everything. Um, but this actually because <laughs> X Men. Oh, oh, X Men. All right, yeah, fair enough. Um, so then, but the 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 earthquake causes right, uh, like a a, tre- a tremor in Poland. And a vat of molten sort of steel falls, and Matt and Eric instinctively stops it falling on somebody. So he's now like had his powers revealed. Someone farted in Egypt, and this thing fell over in Poland. I mean, you'd think there'd be devastation across Europe if it was felt that far, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah, so it's like he's like, oh, oh my cover's blown here. Yeah. Well, he doesn't immediately know what's happened, you know, what he's done. He goes straight, he spots one guy looking at him, which is why when he goes for revenge later, I don't know why he's not focusing on that guy, because most of the people in there haven't seen it. They haven't seen it. They're all going about their work. That one guy is I mean, looking down. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I, that's, that's one of the things I was going to bring up, because I thought, right, what if, like, you know, you have no idea what's going on. You'd be like, hang on, why, why do I get to be murdered? Oh, no. Uh, it's absolutely ridiculous. Now, the next problem I've got um, is, a, is a mixture of things, although it actually presents more of a problem for the next film proper, uh, which is Simon King. Simon Kingbird directs the next film. As I say, by next film, I mean Dark Phoenix. I don't mean Logan. And I certainly don't mean the next film. We're covering more on that later. Um, but in the next film we will see how she becomes Jean Grey. And it's not how she became Jean Grey in the original continuity, which has problems in and of itself, because she's still got the same psyche. But it's hinted it's already in her now. So the powers she is prompted into using in these films, she will gain for the first time, like 12 years later in the next film. I'm just going to look when the next film is set. Dark Phoenix is set in... 1992, so nine years after this. I've not actually seen it yet, spoiler alert. <laughs> I didn't see it when it came out, and I haven't seen it, so I'm looking forward to watching it. I, I know it's meant, I've heard dodgy mixed reviews, but I'm looking forward to seeing it, so never mind. Uh, it's not as bad as its press. It's not okay. It's not as bad as constant delays pre-COVID, we must remember. Would oh, yeah, no, of course, to believe, yeah. But it ain't good either. Uh, she's better in it than she is here and it does at least tell a story that's a little bit more like the comic book story than this than the last yeah. time was I kind of felt like here like you said, I kind of felt like as obviously her character is quite laid in down mm. um, I kind of felt like she's a, a, a quite right as an actress um, I mean I haven't seen her as, well, you know, as many things as you have for example um, but I kind of felt she's a bit underserved here a little bit so I'm kind of looking to see how she'll be in, in Dark Phoenix for sure well what's odd here is this plays like a precursor for the last stand this feels like right she's starting to get this sort of split personality problem she's starting to get a troubled mind charles is there trying to calm her down we know eventually he puts blocks into her mind to hold that 
alter ego back. So this is like the last stand, but like 30 years earlier. Um, but actually, when you get to Dark Phoenix, it tells the story in a completely different way. It, it, in, a, in how she gets her powers, it's much more akin to like the Fantastic Four than it is like the last stand. But you'll see. Um, I'm not spoiling a lot because it's relatively early in the film. But again, it's this whole continuity shit that is unforgivable when you think this is all right. Brian Singer's not the director next time, but Simon Kinberg is, and he wrote this one and The Last Stand for that matter, and Days of Future Past. So he's reset the timeline and then immediately just gone, oh, it doesn't matter. Um, Same kind of thing. Yeah. Um, that'll do. But yeah, we, Jean sort of is having nightmares and she sort of says she sees the end of the world. Um, and then we go back to Egypt and we meet Storm for the first time, which is quite an interesting character design. She looks like... I don't know. What's the best way to describe? When I looked at her hair, I couldn't help but think of the cartoon version of Tintin. Yeah. But we see her like she's a street robber, basically. And Apocalypse is sort of now out. And as she's about to be threatened for, like, stealing, uh, Apocalypse decapitates the guys that threatened her. Yeah, and then he puts a guy into a wall. Yeah. You think, well, powers like this, he's not going to need anyone else, is he? This guy can do everything. He's basically decapitated people with sort of seemingly rock dust sand. out of the walls. Your sand, yeah. Um, he's he can effectively meld people through things. Um, this guy's power is pretty limitless. We've already seen from the teaser in the last film, if if you can remember that, that he can make whole structures on his own. You could pretty much do anything. It's a bit like he, oh my God. He, he could terraform the earth with no no help at all. Just with in the blink of an eye. Yeah. But this is effectively to get... So he's got met Storm and helped her. They then go to Caliban and effectively gather Cy, uh, Psylocke, I think she's called. Mm. And later they will um, get Angel and make him into, like, metal. Metal Angel. Metal, metal Angel. Yeah. Um, and he doesn't need any of them. I mean, there's only one scene in this film where they're of any use to him at all. And again, the fan service element of this. Oh, it's a motif that he always has four horsemen. So this time he's going to have five because of Magneto later. Um, it's already starting to get a bit messy. But uh, I think we uh, cut back to does, does, does he have five? Because it's Magneto, Storm, Angel and... The Cyclops. Oh, actually, you're right. Sorry. Okay, I withdraw that objection then because I've yeah, miscounted. The, the only one who's actually going to use it is Magneto. But, but even he, but even then, I, I'm, I'm still not he, sure why you need him. He, he enhances his powers. Um, so they, they they enhance all their powers, doesn't he? He kind of like makes them more powerful. I mean, powerful we'll, we'll get to, we'll get to it later with. Um, yeah, I don't think he does make her stronger. He makes Angel stronger. He doesn't really do much to Storm. I don't think. I'm not sure. Uh, Magneto, he just encourages to use the full extent of his power because the uh, the Earth is full of various metals. But it's all in means of this sort of shape shifting of the Earth, this terraforming of the Earth that we know he can do on his own, one way or another. So it's a bit of a stretch to even have him need a team of any kind. But I do like the next sequence because. Um, we cut back to Poland and this is Eric telling his wife they need to leave 
I've been exposed. And he does say, again, a bit lazy dialogue because it's exposition through dialogue. So he's saying, I told you about this immediately. I told you who I was. And it's like, but you wouldn't need to say that to her, would you? Do you remember when I told you that I was a killer? Um, <laughs> and that bit in the previous film when I was in the war. And Yeah, okay. So uh, they go to get the daughter and the daughter is not there. And when they go outside, she's being held by a group of officers. These are people that Eric has been to the house of, had meals with, drinks with, and all that sort of thing. They are friends, <laughs> but they now think they've been lied to because they're like, you're not even Henrik or whatever you're called. Um, and it turns out the daughter's got some mutant powers as well because she um, is able to disturb birds flying around enough that they start attacking the officers. This distracts one of the guys with a bow and arrow because they can't have metal on them mm. and he accidentally impales both mother and daughter. So they're both killed. Um, and having tried to avoid metal, obviously Nina, his daughter, has got a necklace and he uses that to basically kill all of them. Very like um, <laughs> split, like Guardians of the Galaxy with the... with what's he called? Henry Portrait oh, the Serial yeah. Killer. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Michael Rooker. Yeah, Michael Rooker, that's it. His character in that, killing people, just sending the bow around to kill everyone. It's exactly the same sort of thing. But it's, it's kind of cool because it's just like, a, it is just like a little bit of, well, it's just a necklace, really. Yeah, it just, as it's it, pinging around through everybody. Yeah. And it, it, it's, it, this, this is one of the nice, it does look kind of cool, even though you feel like this, you've seen this scene a dozen times before already. <laughs> Yeah, I he's think... like, well, that's, that's 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 kind of a nice touch. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I, I don't dislike this at all. I think this is a really good sequence, and it took me by surprise this time because I'd sort of forgotten it. Uh, I, I I had completely forgotten it, only seen seeing having seen it once, and I I almost sort of couldn't believe they'd made something of this this quality in a film I remembered not being that good. So yeah, I, 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 mean... I was I was impressed by that. The, the only thing that made me think is, do we do we need to see something like this again? Like, do we need to re-establish Magneto? As... I think you 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 they are desperately going out of their way at all times uh, to remind us that he is, um, you know, has had a tragic life. I, I yeah I think what you're getting at, Chris, and I don't know if you agree, Becca, is the films just go out of its way. All of these films go out of their way to continually remind us that Magneto's had a, quite a tragic life, and so he's kind of a tragic villain. And is that what you're saying, Chris? And and if so, what do you think about it, Becca? Yeah, I just I just feel like we've we've seen this kind of before. We we always know Magneto as feelings towards. Um, humans um and seen as where it's kind left of like off. cobra in planet of the apes isn't it well it's like we like think about where we left him off yeah i mean he was already like out there doing his magneto thing do we really need him to be to be like sparked off on a on a tirade again because surely that's what he's Surely that that's that's what he'd be doing anyway, and so what's to stop Apocalypse just approaching him, saying, "Oh, oh hey, why don't you join me? Our our, our goals are the same, you know." Um, 
do, 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 you, you, I mean? do, you, do you feel the same way, Becca? Do you think it's a little bit superfluous? Um, I just there are quite a few other, um, I was gonna say people, actors, characters in this film. It's it's very for me. I find it very overpopulated. I can't even speak. Um, very overpopulated. Um, it tries to cram quite a lot of different storylines and a different, lots of different characters in. Um, but you know, I, yeah, I'd agree with your point that he is very much, you know, a, a tragic character. Um, Magneto's storyline is kind of is is very sad, very tragic. Um, but then you can kind of see where he, how he becomes who who he becomes. Um, you can kind of, you know, you can follow his trajectory and kind of see his arc. Um, and you know, it's, it's world building and character building for the character, obviously. Um, but here, like the same with um, same with Logan as well. I couldn't feel he's a bit kind of rammed in. Um, and you mentioned earlier they've felt um, him given like this really kind of heartfelt, really, as I say, classically tragic performance um, that is that's way above way above this film. It kind of belongs on its own, you know, in its own film really. Um, and it's just it's just too much, um, too good for this film almost. Um, and that sounds quite harsh, but. Um, but yeah, I would, yeah, I would kind of agree, really. Um, it does start coming a little bit, but it's a little bit almost superfluous. But I mean, it's you know, he still gives an, an excellent performance. That's one thing about Fastbender, really. He hasn't, uh, he hasn't really given like a deaf performance. Like even if he ends up doing, I don't know, some some really random movie like that movie Forty Three that came out a few years ago that was just really really terrible. Even if he did something like that, for example, I think he'd still give a hundred percent. You know, he, he couldn't couldn't make a deaf film. I don't think he's got it in him as an actor. You know, he's just his talent is far above it. Um, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, totally. It's a, a little bit too much here, unfortunately. But you know, he still gives a great performance. But yeah, perhaps a little bit, a little bit too much. It does seem that they're having to continually reset the characters. That's the only thing that occurs to me. And maybe from what you're both saying, it applies to Magneto as well. That, that you know, they've, that, you know, they they kind of want him to redo the journey every time. It's like I always joke about the Shrek films that Shrek has to learn the same lesson in every single film and it, and it's just, you know it, it be you know enjoy what you've got in life be grateful for what you have he, he learned that three times or four times and i i think there's a little bit of this that we want to see him go through the the journey from good to bad again so that there's some sort of we reminded of the pathos and it's like yeah i mean wh- where do you go from where he was at the end of the last film you go to like loving husband father and diligent worker that's only to change him back within i think this is about 40 42 minutes into the Mm. film this happens yeah again if if we'd had another film and which he was kind of humbled and kind of wants to shy away from that then yeah it would probably work because we'd have followed you have 10 year gaps every time that's the problem anything could have happened but we haven't seen yeah um yeah so, what next? So yeah, we've we've got we've we've said about they find Angel and all the rest of it, and then we cut to Quicksilver, <clears throat> Peter Maximoff. He's watching the news about his dad. I don't know. I think it was vaguely hinted at mm. in the previous one where he said, "Oh, my, you know, my my mother used to know a guy like that, you know, and stuff like yeah. that." Um, but when his mother comes in, who is like stereotypical milf kind of material. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. Um, Kind of like, yeah. Who plays? I don't know. I don't know who that was. I'm sorry. I, I, I don't really remember. I, I I looked up at the time because I was trying to get an idea of age, everyone's ages. That's all. Yeah. But um. That's not as weird because it is a bit of a wibbly wobbly time wimey timeline. Yeah, it is. Uh, he's still this living. Film is kind of like the groundwork of Magneto being his father, but I don't know. Yeah. 
you know, with regards to like his parentage, I'm a little bit like, oh, who's meant well, to be? We don't so, have. Um, sorry about that. I mean, the, the way British houses are, we don't have a lot of basements here. But again, a, a son living in the basement is a bit of a cliche in American films anyway. But he's still there. No, being it, well, apparently, that's not all that common in America either. I think it, it, it varies from state to state. Obviously, like somewhere like California or somewhere that's very prone it makes to me laugh like, disasters you, it, or it earthquakes. They didn't have them. So when, when you watch, when you follow, like I don't know, a football banter page or something on Facebook. I hate the word banter, but that's what they're often referred to as. Mm. And you'll get someone like two people supporting different teams insulting each other, and one will say, "Oh, just stay in your mum's basement." I'm thinking, yes, yes, you're both Sarah English thing, football fans. None of you have basements. No, no, exactly. And, well, unless it's like a really old, like Victorian house or a yeah. pub or something where they keep the barrels, you know. It's just like what. Well. So, he's, but yeah, it's, it's terrible. You know, it's this. Awful. It's his dad, um, which the film won't do much of. But again, the biggest problem is they've had to freeze this character in amber for him to have the same effect on this film that he had on. Welcome the to Jurassic film. Park. <laughs> yeah, not literally in amber. That would be probably suffocate. Uh, Eric goes back to the she factory, to kiss, ready to kill all the um, co-workers. And then basically, apocalypse and the th- the other three turn up, so he can now teleport everywhere. So he's he's basically Thanos at this stage. He can teleport a- anywhere, everywhere. Mm. He can melt Isn't people that through Cyclops things. Who could do that? I come. I'm a bit confused. I'm not sure if it's him or because he. I'm not sure. Well, oh yeah, because it's like a force field around him. I was yeah, I'm just thinking because like the no, because no, because no, because no, like no, at the end of the film he puts one around himself to try to get away, and they stop oh, him. Oh yeah, okay. Uh, whether yeah. he's gathered that from Psylocke, I, I don't know, but even that throws the plot into question because if he can leech skills from people, why does he need to be in Charles's body later? Particularly, and and that seems to I'm be probably about, wrong anyway. And that's like I need to get in people's minds and I can control what they think, but you don't need to. I mean, basically, you have the power to reshape the world around them. You do not need, you don't need Charles. You certainly don't need to be in a. In I like would, I, I would, I would sort of um, question that because you think of what happened uh, at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, he had all these powers, but yeah, he was still foiled by men disobeying him. So he's like, right, well, I need to make sure that I have control over everyone. But. Would you draw this much attention to yourself before you've done that? I mean, I, I'd be tempted to go somewhere. You know, I'd be tempted to just kidnap Charles, get that. You know, I don't know. He, he sort of. Does, I mean, well, he? I mean, yeah, I'm just thinking about logic of going after. Charles. All right, it's shaky. Though. Or being tempted by having his power. As the... Yeah, but again, if you can leech others' powers or scare him into doing whatever you want anyway, it it just seems a bit. And and you probably don't need it. I mean, you you you've got quite a powerful lot around you now. But anyway, okay. Um, and don't forget, you were foiled mid-transfer. You were foiled because you were uh, vulnerable. In fact, that's when you're most vulnerable. That That's almost an argument for not um, transferring into Charles. Because you're pretty much unbeatable until you're laying on one of these gurneys trying to transfer into someone else. Yeah. Okay, so... Uh, the... What, what now? So... Um, oh, he takes... He takes um, he takes him to Auschwitz, doesn't he? Yeah. Because all the best superhero films have a load of Auschwitz in them. <laughs> it's like, do you remember how sad you are? Do you remember? Yeah. Do you remember the sadness? Yeah. Uh, if not, can you have a flashback for the sake of the cameras, please? <laughs> Which he does. Yeah. Which version? Up... Which version are you having a flashback to? 2000 or 2011? <laughs> 2011. All right, brilliant. We. <laughs> okay. 
Uh, and he encouraged him to, um, yeah, he starts like sort of ripping out like the, the ground from underneath him. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, basically going to sort of like destroy the world and make yeah. it. Uh, make it the way we want it. Yeah. Um, which is the plot in all these bloody films, isn't it? it I mean, this is in different, mm. in a completely different way. It's the same plot as first class, really. Destroy the world, make it in our own yeah. image, just for mutants. He does sort of almost come across as a father figure to the mutants, doesn't he? Though, like, mm. no one's cared about you. I do, and I want you to reach your full potential. Uh, so now what? They um... so Charles Charles meets up with um, uh, Taggart. Yeah, and so like, um, yeah, you, you don't remember me, but. Um, yeah, but I really gonna, wanted to. I'm, fuck, I'm, I really, really wanted to fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and this is not going to be awkward. Um, yeah. um I, I, as I pretend I didn't just wipe your memory. Uh, yeah. Oh, I'm surprised he didn't have a cheeky fondle, to be honest. Um, okay. Uh, yeah. And then they go to Cerebro to try to find Eric. And obviously he now knows he's back in sort of Magneto mm-hmm. guise. And Apoc- uh, Apocalypse wants to, hatches this idea to link his mind into Charles, to let him get into Cerebro to connect to anyone he wants, which is what effectively mm-hmm. what he does. And then all the nukes are launched, aren't they? Because he gets into like everybody. Yeah. Surely you only need Cerebro for that, but okay. Yeah, so, but yeah, so basically he... Um... He causes world peace by looting all the nukes in there. <laughs> yeah. Superman's in space, ready to put them in a net. That's one way to do it. Uh, yeah, because they don't really hit anything, do they? They just kind of... The old launch. I yeah. mean, it, 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 yeah, the old launch into space and... Brilliant. <laughs> all right. So... I mean, I mean, it is, it is at first you think... Um... He's going to turn them around and blast them back into Earth. That's what yeah. it looks like he's going to do. Maybe distracted or something. I don't know. But it's a good, it's a good sort of force of like a power, just how like powerful yeah. he is. So um, obviously um, he's now inside sort of Charles's head and therefore mm. cerebral. And um, Magneto, um, uh, Alex causes a blast, doesn't he? Hmm. Uh, but in the meantime, Quicksilver has arrived, and to the strains of the Eurythmics, he will, um, at super speed, empty the the home before the the school before it explodes, and that kills yeah. Alex. Yeah, I mean, it kind of almost like conveniently forgets about Alex. Oh, it's not mentioned well, afterwards. Well, they that he, like he was like nearest the explosion. Yeah, but Scott would <laughs> Scott would be upset, but he's going to be on the cop for the rest of the yeah. film, so it's all right. Because you, you don't miss your brother if you find a woman attractive, Chris. <laughs> well, no, I mean, you know, not at that age. Well, wasn't there like a third one as well? But then they only thought, oh, we'll just, we'll just stick to two in this film. And they kind of, it doesn't really pop up in any other, oh, other I films. Know. I don't know. I, uh, I think there was meant to be a third one, wasn't there? A third brother. Yeah, if you, so if you're, listeners, if you're a fan of the comics, yeah. let us know. And what does he shoot his beams out of? <laughs> we, we've done chest and head, so ask um, not. Well, the natural conclusion would be <clears throat> his fingers. No. <laughs> okay, so um, yeah, so that's a reasonable sequence. But again, 
something about this feels a bit tired because it's we, we've seen this bit before the sort of two minute super speed mm. sequence but it's all right it's got it's a cool it, effect though and i got a fun fact coming up so yeah it, it's pretty cool though you can't help but think like you know for for the peril that's happening all around him he is kind of taking wasting too much time dicking around yeah 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 he does he's too busy doing silly little things but whatever um william striker then turns up not quite sure why uh, I don't know why he's there particularly, but they kind of because we have to have Wolverine in this movie because yeah <laughs> yeah I know but in, in in universe why 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 he's gone there I don't know but he takes uh, Mystique he takes Moira uh, he takes uh, Hank McCoy and he takes who else does he take I'm not sure is that it uh, yeah he takes Raven right okay I thought I'd mentioned her all right. Um, oh, no, I'm just trying to remember, to be honest with you. All right, so he, he Nightcrawler teleports in, but he can't get them out because, you know, reasons. And they all are taken to the X2 facility to remind us of a better film. Mm. And um, <laughs> yeah, they're all trapped. And basically, um, Hank, yeah, that, Hank that... hasn't got his meds, so he's now in full beast mode. And this is just to get... Jeans, jeans like um, disguise them all by using a tele- telepathy powers. Right. So they all they all can't see him. Oh yeah. Um, sorry. Yeah. Um, Quicksilver's here, isn't he? Because he tells he tells Raven that Magneto's mm-hmm. his dad, and he wanted to tell him. So thankfully, there's over an hour of the film less, and I'm sure he's going to get round to it. Yes. And then they. Um, then they come across a box office booster button, which releases Hugh Jackman. <laughs> Weapon X. Which is the post-credit sequence, and I suppose that's meant to tease Logan to a degree, but so what? Um, so yeah, he goes crazy, you know, crazy. Oh, there's a post-credit sequence there. Eight bonkers with his drilling sex. There's a post-credit sequence where they, they're sort of collecting all the sort of Weapon X samples. Which I just let it run this time just to see if it did. I, I, I completely forgot. I didn't think there was yeah, one. Well, it wasn't as common in these days, but obviously they were, everyone's aping Marvel by this point because Marvel are massive mm. by now. Um, uh, Jean gets to Wolverine at one point, um, who's slaughtering everybody, and just unbrainwashes him and gives him back some of his memories. Mm. Um, and then they kind of get in and release all the sort of mutants um this is um gene i mean yeah and at the same time apocalypse is is sort of destroying egypt to recreate his own era the pyramids and magneto's i think doing something with the earth's polarity to cause destruction reversing polarity of the neutron flow excuse me well that that's just what john pertwee said in every episode wasn't it (laughs) That's, that's what he did every single bloody time. He did. Because that's the only thing he could remember, so they got him to just say that. And then Colin Baker came in and reversed the linearity of the proton flow or something like that. Colin Baker. I met him once. That's the one. <laughs> he came off as a bit of a dick, actually. Um, so I just thought I'd come in and say that. That's all right. Quite funny, makes me laugh. I think it's stupid, but never mind. Yeah, it's quite topical as Is well. Is he acted with Clive Owen? Or, Cl- or Clive oh, Warren. Be, oh my gosh. <laughs> um, I, I, I do wonder if. Uh, I mean, it's nice funny. of Becca to keep things so topical. What with uh, 
his being him being Doctor Who from 1970 to 73. <laughs> uh, okay. I've only recently watched Doctor. them all, all right, so it's fresh in I my I know you've been watching the older ones, yeah. I've never uh, seen them before. I keep trying with Doctor Who. I can't get. I just no, can't don't, get into it. don't avoid. I, love, I did it, so I you didn't have to, idea. Dave. It's fine. Well, yeah, but you're enjoying it, aren't you? Um, or not? Some more than others. It is the ones where they have a higher production value. The wobbly sets, not so much. Yeah, but I, so. think, I think honestly, I could think. I, I just have this feeling that even if every episode of Doctor Who cost two hundred and fifty million dollars to make, it, it still would, might be crap. It would still look like children's BBC. <laughs> because it's made with loads more money than it used to be and it still looks shit no i, I think it's quite cool because i i quite like animation so i like obviously obviously there's quite a few ones that are, that are missing altogether and some of them they've done animations you know, have, have been, of like yeah. patrick Troughton's doctor and stuff yeah they obviously they've got they do um different animation houses you know, to kind of fill in the gaps i mean there's one that's recently come out and they look like um i think there's six episodes so all, all are all are intact apart from one which was completely missing um, and it's been animated in a way I think it's an Australian um, yeah. animation house I mean it's, it's done in a very stylish way mm. but to me I it, do like, it I, looks I, like it's a PS3 I game love the and concept. it's like oh. if I'd never seen Doctor Who and someone just described the concept to me I would think with almost 100% certainty. <laughs> children's television <laughs> no I think I, I would love that are you on crack that sounds utterly amazing are you high I, it's the end of execution I don't like but I mean I went to see the 50th anniversary at the cinema like 8 years ago and enjoyed that I, I am fascinated by the regenerations although I, I preferred it when they were more varied they, they all look the same now they look the same that. adopt the safety team um, position and I do like um, and I did like an adventure in uh, space and time, or time and space, whichever way round it was. The one with David Bradley playing, um, yeah, he was really the good. First Doctor, that was a really good sort of like docudrama on him. And not for, the, for that as well, like Margatis had gone back to like the original scripts and the original um, like takes. For example, like there's there's a scene where he does he says a rude word or something during the scene. Obviously, he got very old and mixed up his line and everything. Yeah, but that comes from disease, like an original so outtake that Hartnell fe- made. So yeah, yeah, which I think is really, he's obviously a big yeah. fan. So. But I think that's very lovely. But yeah, no, I just I just think just little little gimmicky things like that. Like, obviously started watching the um the new Who going back to the early you know the 2005 reboot and everything, and you know you've got all kind of the gimmicks and the catchphrases and you think oh my god and it is you know they tried to bring it back and I just think oh it's so cheesy. So I kind of wonder now, um with oh god RTD taking it over again. I wonder is it going to go back to that or has he has he evolved from that? Well, so, I mean whatever I no. think of that era, it was certainly its most critically successful since it came back. So um, yeah, we'll see what happens. But no, I just got, is it, since you just said that, that's what it made me thought made me think of. So yeah, I'm just looking at it. An adventure in space and time with David Bradley, who um, you'll have seen him in. He was in Harry Hot Potter. Fu- he was in Hot Fuzz. He was in Harry Potter. He's Ricky Gervais's father in Afterlife. Oh god, he is. Yeah, um, oh. which is very very sad. It's, yeah, it's really good, but I can't watch too much of it because it's so sad. I just cry my way through, and it's like, oh! But it's very well written and beautiful, series, beautiful shape. It's so sad. How many did William Hartnell do? I'm looking at it on Brick's Brickbox now. Uh, I, I'm getting to like the end of season four, and it's still him. So it, yeah, like he, they must have he, turned these out so quickly. Like yeah, yeah, they did really Tomb quickly. Of the Cyberman. What what was his last episode? It was. Uh, I'm looking still for here. No, I've got the animated one, right? I'm looking at series five. Yeah, because there's quite a few that's still, that are still missing or that they're incomplete. Yeah, um, look, they won't all be on Brickbox because they're not... 
The tenth, you got tenth, uh, tenth Planet was his last one. Tenth so Planet, that was it. They that was regenerated. It. He regenerated early in series four. Obviously, War Games, but it's not War Games. That was, that but was I'm looking one. at. I'm looking at season five and the the episode twelve and thirteen and thirteen the Ice Warriors two parts of that are animated. Yeah. So they've actually filled it in on the full brick box run. And they have, but me, there's, there's still quite a few jumps like on there. Part of me would so. love to watch it, but I've really struggled. I've, I've I've borrowed discs of it. I've watched bits and pieces. I've enjoyed certain episodes. Everyone tells me the current Doctor's like that. It's not very well written. No. Um, <laughs> avoid, avoid. Yeah, so we've just... come off on a massive tangent. Let's go back on track. All right, then. Just so, your turn of phrase. Maybe think of that. To so be I honest, that was quite funny. To be honest, we're um, getting towards the final act of the film now. This is. I know we are known for going off on tangents, they're, but they're, that was a bloody massive tangent. <laughs> they are all trying to stop Apocalypse now from this sort of earthly reshaping. They're trying to stop Apocalypse from causing... An Apocalypse. Yeah, Apocalypse. <laughs> yeah. For me, this was kind of like, for, like ending... Like, for me, this film kind of ends... Like, you've got this... We've got the big battle, we've got this ending, you've got sort of the, you know, their fight um, at X-Men Mansion um, at, the, at the school, um, and then you've got the film's actual ending. Um, so for me, this, this film has like sort of three or four different endings, and we are kind of like ending number two, ending number two or number three, and it's just like, by this point, I am losing the will to live a little bit. It's just like, get the fuck on with it. So, yeah, yeah that was me screaming at the, at the screen. All of this is too long. Um, now, it does go on I will too long. lightly disagree with you. I, d- I don't think I the effects are shocking, but I do think the effects in the um, final battle, it, it all feels a bit soundstagey to me. But, I, you know, it, maybe that's just me. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm wrong there. I don't know. I, I didn't wildly like it. Um, but the main thing is that we've got sort of Xavier in a in a interesting plot development realizes that as apocalypse has been in his head he's left like a remnant of him there how that works no fucking idea um and so he's sort of he's he's sort of fighting internally with apocalypse whilst Jean is sort of being encouraged to let her full powers go. The only time, really, his, his sort of horseman, if you like, his acolytes do anything, is while he's trying to sort of transfer to Charles, they do get involved in busy work trying to keep the X-Men out of that area. So they kind of prolong that process a bit, but, I mean, it doesn't work in the end anyway. So Yeah, they're kind of like a distraction. They're just a distraction. We we don't see a lot of them, to be fair. And the one time we see Psylocke do anything really, it's actually Mystique pretending to be her. So, yeah, brilliant. Um, yeah, just one of those things, really. It's I don't know that I've got much more to say about this actual fight sequence. I mean, you you get uh, Peter gets an opportunity to tell Eric that. You know, you're my dad, and doesn't go with it in the end. Um, yeah, it's just a bit of a waste of opportunity. Raven I can sort the, of, I can feel his frustration. Raven sort of gets through to him, and when Apocalypse says to him, "You know, you're betraying me," he said, "No, no, I betrayed them." And uh, so, uh, you know, Charles is uh, Charles and, and Magneto. You know, and Eric are now on the same team again. You know, they'll probably finish with a game of chess or something. Never mind, you've been killing people in the interim. <laughs> Quicksilver has his leg broken in the battle. Um, what else do we want to say here about the actual fight? Uh, Charles loses his uh, hair. Oh yeah, Charles' hair like sort of burns off, really, kind of just 
falls out at great speed, like it's almost being burnt off. Um, although not his eyebrows or any of his other hair, as far as we know. So mm. it's not a shock thing. It's literally just his head. Um, how and why, I don't know. Uh, yeah, uh, Angel's uh, Angel's killed off. Yeah. Uh, Do you know, Cy- I, I'd forgotten Cyclops that. Cyclops sort of like has a bit of like... How is Angel killed? Back. I've forgotten that. How is Angel killed? I've forgotten. Um, he gets tricked into the uh, the X-Wing and then as it's like and as it's like going it's, top uh, piling strains as okay. it crashes it's crashing down. Okay. Sounds great. Um, it. I mean it's it's not that bad. It goes on a bit too long and it, and it appeal, and it ends with like Jean releasing her full power which kind of is the birth of Dark Phoenix we think but actually not for the next 10 years um, and eventually they overpower Apocalypse and he kind of disintegrates Psylocke just leaves um, Storm goes, yeah what happens to her she just she just, she, she just goes I'll get you next time I'll get you next time gadget and yeah. make yeah. a quick escape it's just like oh okay because um, she's quite a major character and it's like oh and then the I X-Men stand around and they're like the joke's on you snarf <laughs> yes <laughs> Um, because that's how every episode of Thunderbirds, used. Thundercats, not Thunderbirds. Thunderbirds was <laughs> totally different. Two shows. Thank no, you very much. no, I'm sorry about that. Both but, are legendary. No, no, Thunderbirds. <laughs> what, Thunderbirds, what you drink in the park? Um, <laughs> when you're 16. <laughs> it's totally different. And what? by six, by 16, I mean 30. Anyway, so, uh, so they rebuild the school now. Um, Eric and sort of Gene are just sort of using doing it through sort of telekinesis. I don't know how that works with all the plumbing and stuff. But Yeah, I wonder the same. I was thinking how how? Yeah, it it probably looks alright, but none of it's like glued together. The none first, of it's connected the, up. The first time someone farts. Yeah, you order how to plumb. Yeah, yeah, do the plumbing and the electronics. It's and like all the that. externals are fine. And, and they, they haven't like, like what? they haven't like cemented it together either. Some the first no. time someone farts, the east wing's gonna collapse. You know, literally somebody sneezes and they rebuild oh. the house perfectly. And um, he says, you know, Peter says, I'll, I'll tell him eventually. Uh, he and he sticks around. So does Storm. Charles says, Oof. Eric, will you stay? And he's like, nah. <laughs> And they basically recap um, some dialogue from the first film. Yeah, Mystique's about to train them all like Avenger Assemble style. Um, yeah. She doesn't want to be in the full makeup, so she just has like the head. Um, and they basically fight Sentinels in this danger room, which is really futuristic for 1983, but okay. Well, they've got the infinite funds, haven't they? Infinite technology. Yeah, and then I, do, I don't know if the reference is going to be in Logan because I can't remember now. But the the post credit sequence, they take uh, their are agents there and they take a sample of Wolverine's blood and they put it in a briefcase which is marked Essex Corporation. Hmm. Is Essex Corporation a thing in Logan? I can't remember. Yeah, I wondered. I was going to ask the same actually because it's obviously I saw Logan when it came out of the cinema. But it's too long but ago it's now. It's been a while. Um. And then, yeah, you kind of go into the realms of, like, Project X, um, Project X, Weapon X, then, don't you? And I'm just looking. Um, I can't remember the name of the company. So, it was, it, I didn't, I didn't immediately... No, it's, tra- it's, it's Transigen in the next film. It's Transigen in Logan, it's not Essex. Hmm. 
So I'm Maybe it's David Essex. Maybe David Essex. <laughs> right, Essex Corporation. Let's <laughs> look them up. Unless... We're not very good um, X-Men fans, are we? Right, okay. I think the film New, New, New Mutants clearly shows it has a connection to Alkali Transigen. So, it will have a link in three films' time over three years later. Possibly, in a film that hardly anyone saw. Because most New Mutants, I don't know what New Mutants, New Mutants won't have done anything. They just sort of put it out during the pandemic, didn't they? Because it wasn't doing anything. Mm. The New Mutants, this is going to be covered in this series, but the New Mutants was budgeted at only about $70 million, and it took 47 And uh, so that film did nothing, really. Uh... From the director of The Fault in Our Stars. Jesus. Okay, well, we'll cover that in a few weeks, but um, there we go. Final thoughts, folks. Um, yeah, so... Um, it, we, we basically end up with a bit of a tease for Dark Phoenix, which kind of doesn't do anything different to um, what Last Stand did. I mean, it, 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 both. I mean, both films do end. It up will end up doing something different eventually, but yeah. I mean, what what, what I mean is they, they they both sort of assume that um, that Jean Grey has the Phoenix power inside it already, which which is kind of the last was. stand's telling of the story. But yeah. so I, I don't mean to spoil anything, Becca, but it is not the telling of the story we're going to get next time. Oh, okay. Um, like I say, the closest thing I can liken it to that you'll have seen is think how they got their powers in the Fantastic Four. It's a bit like that. Which one, the new one or the old one? Uh, <laughs> Which uh, Fantastic Four? Let's go with the um, Jessica Alba version because okay. I can't remember the other one. Um, funny, I remember mm. the oldest of the mass-released ones best, even though it's not that good. But yeah, up to space, hit by something. Okay. So it's not already in her. Yes, it could be exacerbating something that was there, but there's no even there's no even preamble sort of reference that there might be something there. It's rather strange. But there you go. Yeah, we just get like the phoenix bird come out when she does her when she does come her power thing to the Yeah, it's definitely implying it's it's already there, isn't it? Mm. So I'm a bit confused myself, to be honest, but it doesn't matter. Well, we'll find out one in a, in a few weeks' time. Yeah, yeah, I know. Ooh, um, well, you know, either way, I've not seen it, so this is going to be this going to be new and on me. So. Well, you've got two new ones on you because we'll do mu- new mutants after that. Um, oh so, yeah, of course. Any, anyway, back to final. Okay, thoughts, forget if we can do sorry. that. I'm sorry. Back to final thoughts, Chris. Um, I mean, I haven't got much else to say what maybe gave in first thoughts really it's it's a bit crap it's a bit of a mess but um i'll be lying if i said i actually find it's probably one of the more watchable ones um it, it, and i find it more sort of entertaining than the most though i can't really say it's particularly good if that makes sense 
It does. I think, uh, for my, my part, uh, the only surprise today is, even though I had some issues with it, um, I was kind of all right through the first 45 minutes. And that 45 minutes end, ended with a scene that, whilst in some respects shouldn't have been there, was like heart-wrenching. It was really well done. Um, and the first hour was not too bad. The makeup's bad. There's some iffy effects. There's one or two iffy performances. I, I say Sansa Stark ain't for me. Um, although she's better when she's the more of the lead next time. Um, but the last hour and a half just fell apart. And, and, and almost in inverse proportion to how much time we gave it, we talked quite a lot about the sort of earliest part of the film where I was engaged. And then the bit where it gets really bogged down and slow and full of stuff. When you actually start breaking it down to what you need to say about something not very much so we covered the last hour and a half of the film in no time I, I, yeah i wasn't wildly in love with it there's there's no doubt about that but um i would put it ahead of x-men origins wolverine um it's now been a while since i did the last stand so i don't know where i put it relative to that i think i'd put it behind the, behind the the last stand the last stand hung together despite all my issues with it this film has too many that bit don't make sense why is he doing that that's a continuity fuck up that bit's too slow it's got too many problems but it is better than it looked to me five years ago becca yeah so obviously you saw this at cinema when it came out was a bit kind of obviously overwhelmed and underwhelmed in, in places um yeah i'm still I, I think kind of my reaction is probably hasn't changed in the intervening years um still still too busy i mean it looks great sounds great i haven't really said very much but yeah i, d I did really enjoy the score here it's nice to see uh, nice to see nice to hear all those motifs and you know character themes um and themes from previous films as well um and it's not so much of a, of a hodgepodge um as it is in terms of in the visuals you know it's obviously very effects heavy um some scenes are done early on shockingly bad in my opinion but then the rest of it looks fine um some of the costumes as well they call back to some of like the early films so rather than or go back to the original comics for example um being stylish versions of perhaps how they appeared in the comics um just having a quick look online rather than like the black sort of plain leather that, that you know that we've seen or yellow spandex as they mentioned in the earlier films um central performances are quite good i um Pocklets himself, I think, yeah, he does struggle under it a little bit. He has, and disappears under a mound of makeup, uh, which doesn't really help. Um, generally, Oscar Isaac is quite good. I, I rate him quite highly, but here I just, sorry, wasn't really a fan. Um, yeah, too many endings for me for this film. Um, and it just, yeah, I would, there are lots of superfluous bits which could end up, end up cutting room floor. Um, so yeah, a bit kind of, it, and also it goes on a bit too long, like I'm, like what I'm doing. <laughs> shut up, shut up. Um, so yeah, a bit, a bit kind of the lower end of the scale for me, unfortunately. But there's still, you know, as as we said through the film and as Chris mentioned at the top of the show as well, um, still lots to enjoy. Um, it's a bit sort of crazy in parts, but for me, I would tend to rank it lower in the scale. So sorry about that one. Yeah, I, I can't, I, I, I cannot, I, I would be stunned if every film is some, every mass watched film is somebody's favourite. But I'd be surprised if there were an awful lot of uh, X Men series fans who put this one near the top. But you never know. They so, might do that. They might be a big fan of 
um, X Factor or like the um, the original sort of comics or this character. Yeah. I don't know. Or, or it may be somebody somewhere. Yeah, it may be age as well. As their favorite Bond film, it happens. It, it depends <laughs> on what, what did you see first as well, and how did that affect you? And yeah, well, did, exactly. It, it, this might have been yeah, for some people. Never, this might have been their entry point into the series. You don't know. Quite apart from that, you know, any, any film could be you know first time you met someone. I mean, it's not a, really a date movie, but you might have gone for like a meal and a film and this might have just been what was showing and you've, yeah. you, you know you can so you can like films for lots of reasons but on pure quality it's quite near near the bottom that said chris i feel I've, I've commented without knowing what i'm talking about really well it's like imagine it's like staring into like spending two hours watching you know like it's just a void really hole. I didn't understand any of it in all honesty like because poe dameron puts on some makeup right <laughs> And then he goes to sleep for like years, right? Probably didn't set an alarm clock because he didn't have one back then. And then he wakes up, and 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 then he fights this guy from um from from Starter for Ten, a film about University Challenge, while Game of Thrones woman does an impression of a bird. <laughs> um, I've not seen Game of Thrones, so I can't. I can't. I think I think the problem is that we just take on films that are just far too complex. Yeah, I think we should go for like easier stuff in future than these uh, high, you know, high faluting art films we choose. Yeah. Anyway, uh. we've got to make the best of a bad job now because we're several films into this. So yes. we got no choice but to be finishing this. So what are we going to do? I don't know. Fun facts. Yeah, why not, Becca? I've actually just finished Film Facts, so it's all right. <laughs> I was trying to scrabble quick, quick. Um, so, yeah, this film came out in 2016. Obviously, it marks the 30th anniversary since Apocalypse's first appearance in The X Factor, which is a spin-off of the X-Men comic book, having made its debut in May 1986. Um, I guess that was Fun Fact number 1A. Fun Fact number 1B. I think at the moment, this still stands as the, the longest in the X-Men series. Yeah. Um, 144 minutes around thereabouts um, and it was pretty much universally panned by critics um, fun fact number two if the character of Angel or I can't know if he's Angel or Archangel I keep on getting his name wrong um, if he it looks familiar matter. the dude with the wings who looks pretty cool um, but yeah um, if you're if you're a fan of Easterners in this country because um, he's played by obviously Ben Hardy um, he used to play Beatty Bill in uh, EastEnders from 2013 to 2015 and obviously that. more recently he was Roger Taylor in Bohemian Rhapsody movie oh right I didn't know so any of that so I was like where have I seen him before ah yes played Roger Taylor um, fun fact number three in the scene where Evan Peters as Quicksilver runs around the X school X mansion um, it's only about sort of like three two three minutes on the screen but apparently it took close to like, like 20 days or three weeks or thereabouts to film so it just goes to show kind of what goes into a movie. You know, you kind of see something for like minutes or seconds on screen, and it actually took a, you know, a big chunk of time to make, um, which I think is amazing. Um, not really a fun fact, but it's quite personal for me because she's one of my favourite characters from the cartoon series. Um, this film marks Jubilee's first major film appearance um, in the X-Men movies, um, having had little bit parts in the previous films and in one of the early TV series, I think, back in the nineties. Um, but this is kind of the first scene where like she has a a line of dialogue and I was like yeah Jubilee um, fun fact number five um, other actors who are considered for various roles um, so obviously Ben Hardy ended up playing Angel other actors considered were Timothy Chalamet who is just 
amazing. Um, Taron Edgerton, Logan Lerman, Josh, Josh Hutchison, and Jesse Plemons were also considered for um, they also considered the role uh, considered for the role of Scott Summers and Cyclops uh, before Ty Sheridan was cast. Um, let's have a look. Before Sophie Turner was cast, um, other actors included Elle Fanning, Chloe Grace Moretz, Saoirse Ronan, Daisy Ridley, and Margot Robbie, which I think would have been incredible having Margot Robbie in the role. Oh my gosh! Yeah, they should have been about twenty-six. I suppose it's possible, but I mean, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Other other wood considered included Willow at Noak. <laughs> I, I just kind of felt that she was a bit underserved by this. I mean, I hope, you know, hopefully she might be better next week on. on she is. No, no, I mean, I've only seen it once. But I just kind of feel like memory, she, you know, she's a really good actress, but I was dreading she, it, and she's way better. Honestly. Has very little to work yeah, with, unfortunately. Way better next time. But then, but yeah, I can just imagine. I mean, obviously, you know, all these other actresses that I mentioned as well are all fantastic. But I imagine somebody like like Daisy really obviously ended up being in Star Wars as did. Um, Oscar Isaac um, or Margot Robbie is just like this powerhouse. Imagine that. Oh my gosh. Yeah, absolutely. What were the other names you said considered for? Um, Elle Fanning, who I'm not too sure about. Um, oh, Elle Fanning's Grace really Moretz good. Elle Fanning's Sasha good. Rubin. Elle Fanning's having the career her older sister should have had, really. But yeah. yeah. She's good. She would have been. I, I think any of the, those names were better than what we got. But what I will say is, and I've, I've already sort of pretty much said it that from memory because i was dreading going into dark phoenix because you had such a bland lead in it and she was actually all right i was like oh she's much better in this doesn't be surprised yeah much much better oh it's a very good so i'm not slating her unreservedly i just thought she was poor in this but better in films to come yay yeah are are Mm. we ready to sign this off as fun folks that's is indeed fun. fun. Thank God for confirming. That's as fun, yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, <laughs> we got. Well, yeah, well, I was kind of dreading this, actually. But, um, Phew, oh my gosh. It's not too bad. But uh, as for social media, you can find me at the Pasty Kid 1976 on Twitter. Uh, you can find me, um, well, not that I'm on Twitter that much, so pointless. But you can find all the old episodes at the. Um, uh, uk. if they're not on iTunes and Stitcher um, they're on the website That's yeah, they, they should largely be on there shouldn't they so. right I, I'm just looking through Audible at the moment on my, my screen I'm just looking through books on Audible and and, so, mm. and and I've got you know like there's a book about football and then there's All, All American Psycho I don't know what that is and then Ooh. what about Marcus Rashford and then I've just got to the soccer coach gives me anal I didn't Think right. I didn't... Is that like suggestive reading, or I, 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 you'd hope so, wouldn't you? Because if if that's like I don't know, is that one of those suggestions? I, like well, if, you, this way, if you've read X, you'll I, like Y. I can't imagine it's like Harry Kane's autobiography or something. So I would imagine yes, it is basically audiobook porn. <laughs> okay. Um. Yeah, I've just clicked into. We're, we're not on there, are we? No. She's got anal brats books five to eight. My boss's balloon popped on my face. That's another one. Uh, well, I don't know what books you read, but uh, you know. Uh, <laughs> 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 These have all got such like. Uh, th- there's nothing suggestive in the name. Put it this way: He dropped anchor in my ass. That tells you all you need to know. Yeah, I, I, I don't imagine it's a philosophical work. 
<laughs> this is like audible after dark so on a completely unrelated point where can we find you becca <laughs> we don't really want to follow me on twitter but you can follow us at expect us to talk you can also find us obviously on facebook on youtube apple podcasts spotify stitcher podbean podbay and anywhere else you care to listen to your podcast um you can always drop us an email if you want expect us to talk at gmail.com um, otherwise, yeah, just get in touch with us on the socials. Um, I'm sure as we go on, we will you know, do a list of other um, films um, that you know that we've got coming up that we planned on our review schedule. But if there's anything that you would like, you know, if there's any films that you have that you haven't heard us do, um, or you know, God forbid, should we ever do like a um, like a funded series, for example, if you want us to review any particular film and make a donation. Um, which we can donate towards charity or something, for example. Let's know. Or is any. We have done that it before. We've done uh, we to America and Police Academy for charity, and we did we did uh, the Crow as a commission as well a couple of years ago. Um, just for what is coming, uh, just out of interest, uh, to let you know when we finish this series, we move on to the Bourne films. Then we will finally do a handful of Sergio Leone westerns. Oh, the bloody westerns! And then. Uh, well, I was about to say to finish the year off, but I think we'll already be in next year by the time we get to it. Um, we're going to cover the Tolkien films. Uh, more on what follows that afterwards, because those are actually... I've got a big list after that, but we haven't agreed the running order for what follows that. No, we've got quite a long list, haven't we? We've got so... a long list, but that that's the agreed running order. So those are our next three series, which will take us comfortably into next year. Who's doing the Christmas commentary this year? Who's Well, all of us, but I mean, who's choosing it? I can't remember. Who did last year's? I think it might be you, Chris, but that might be wrong. Let's have a look. What did we do last year? Last year. I'm just looking. Did, no, I think we did Jingle All the Way. That was my choice. Jingle All the Way was you. So who? So he's done One for Life, Trading Places, Scrooge, <laughs> Jingle All the Way. Hang on, I've got to find the running order because I've got them oh. here somewhere. We Next did one I've got down Jingle All the Way. Uh, <coughs> the previous year was Trading Places, which was me. So it's your turn, Decker. Oh, it's my turn. Oh, bugger. Okay. Um... Hang on, what? Sorry. It's her. We 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 are we we not done planes trains. No, that's going to be. Is that going to be my choice then? But is it? That's what I'm saying. Is it a Christmas film or is it? Oh, a I'm, Thanksgiving I am movie? quite. It's a Thanksgiving movie, but I'm quite happy and happy to loosen the definition. It's a holiday. Well, should I do? I don't a, know, like. It's a home for the holidays film with snow in it. I'm quite happy to count it. It's like one year. I'd be perfectly happy to do Grand Dog Day as our Christmas film, for example. I wonder if we could do something like, um, oh, what's that? What's that one that's really popular in America? Oh, Christmas, is it a Christmas Story? A Christmas Story. But I don't know if we can get a copy of it over here because it's, it's something that's obviously really, well, from my experience of studying and living over there, it's really popular in the States, even though it's about a gun. Um, not very popular over here, so I wonder. It's not very popular. A toy gun. I, I yeah, yeah, about a toy gun. Yeah, not, obviously not a real gun, but it. it's about a kid who basically harasses his mum, his parents. It's kind of a, um, his toy gun it's meant to be heartwarming. It's it's all right, and the kid and in the boy it in it's very cute. I know he's a little bit like the boy in Jerry Maguire, as he was. Yeah, he's a very cute little boy. Um, it's, well, it's I'll, I'll try and think of some other seasonal movie that we haven't have done. Have a so think I've got... about it. There must be one you want to do if you thought about it. The Snowman, no. <laughs> the Snowman's only about twenty-eight minutes long. That's Gremlins, <laughs> eh? Gremlins. Gremlins. Have we done Gremlins? We've not done Gremlins. Could be Gremlins. Let's do that. Okay, we'll confirm that nearer the time. Unless you're confirming that now, live. <gasps> okay, yeah, let's do Gremlins. Ah, so this, year's, this year's Christmas as as commentary will be 1984's Gremlins. And I can tell you now, next year's will be planes, trains, and automobiles because I said that there last year. There we go. Time. 
I don't care. If I wrote that down. I'm still here. No, but it, that next, the next one's my choice, and I will remember my choice. So that's okay. But we're doing Gremlins this year. Okay. So that will be, I suspect, this episode's second most exciting announcement. Because, Becca, mm-hmm. what's next? At the moment, we have no time to talk about X Men anymore. Because I can happily announce. Do you expect to talk? We'll return with our review of No Time to Die! 